1: For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right.
0: One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck.
1: Embracing change
0: creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On today's show, I've got Mike Sanders. He's the chief marketing officer of Kaseya. Kaseya is a leading provider of unified IT management and security software for managed service providers and small to medium-sized businesses. On the show today, we talk about Mike's path, how he, as an entrepreneur, ended up as a CMO and what that journey was like. We also talk about Kaseya, the business, how they go to market, and we spend quite a bit of time talking about their stadium rights deal in Miami for the Kaseya Center. This was not your normal stadium rights deal. It came on the heels of crypto company, FTX, as demise. The pullout from that process, both from the team and the the, uh, county and state's perspective, and how Kaseya jumped on that opportunity, figured out how it would work and how it uniquely would work for them in this specific instance as they tried to grow their presence in Miami, and how he's going to leverage this going forward, how it fits into his overall marketing strategy. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Mike Sanders. Well, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. I hear you are an avid fisherman. And I'm curious, I'm always curious, you know, what keeps people coming back to their hobbies, but what keeps you coming back to fishing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's, there's a couple things. I mean, it's the first thing for me is, it's a great way to kind of clear my mind. It's I like either sports or hobbies where you can't really think about anything else while you're doing them. So one, one of the things I do, and I'm not great at it, unfortunately, but <laughs> one of the things that I do quite a bit of is, uh, is free diving. And oh, wow. uh, it's one of those things that, you can't really do it and think about other things, so it's just a, a great way on a weekend to get out there and reset, and kind of be able to clear my mind and and uh, and spend some time, you know, just uh, a little bit disconnected, which is nice. But during COVID, I started doing more of it with my family because it was one of the few things that you could do where you're, you know, socially distant still, and right. uh, and they fell in love with it, and so now I've got a whole family that loves to fish, and so you know, going out and spending time with the family and having a hobby that My wife and and uh and son love is is just awesome. So not not much better than that. No, that's that's awesome. Free diving, that is that with like a spear? Like what Yeah, we do. We we (laughs) we don't use guns. We don't use spear guns. We use um we use essentially what either a pole spear or a Hawaiian sling, which is like a bow and arrow underwater. Mm. Um a lot of the a lot of the trips that we do are in the Bahamas and uh and it's illegal to use uh, like a full spear gun there. Yeah or tanks. So you have to hold your breath and you have to use, uh, something that is, you know, not powered by, by, uh, by essentially a trigger that doesn't, uh, that doesn't have a trigger. So it's, but like I said, not, not great at it. Wish I was better at it, but it's uh it's a heck of a lot of fun.
0: Well, when you said fishing, when we earlier talked, I was like, I was thinking rod and reel, you know, like I wasn't thinking holding your breath and like trying to Fear something under the water. That's, that's a whole nother level of fishing. I was not aware of that. was That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do, we do both, but I think, you know, it's, uh, for me, the one that keeps me coming back is, is definitely, definitely the free diving. I think it's just one of those things. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fun challenge and it's, it's just something that I don't think you, you ever perfect. So that's always fun too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like a workout too, which is nice. A little exercise <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, it's definitely uh- good exercise. Well, uh, well, I don't know exactly how I'm going to transition, but we transitioned from spear fishing <laughs> to spearing that target market as a marketer. <laughs> where, where did you how you know, where did you get started and and how did you end up being the CMO at Isaiah?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I have I have a really I guess I think it's a weird background, but who knows? Um, I started off uh, as as the head of IT for a, a public brokerage firm. Uh, mm-hmm. early on and, and even before that doing some different uh, Linux uh, admin stuff and then things like that. But as my career progressed, uh, I ended up starting my own business. And mm-hmm. uh, I've done that a few times in my career. And through that process, you really have to do everything. If you're a self-funded you know, startup like, like I was, you have to do everything. Right. And so, you know, the sales side, the marketing side, Those things, I think, came more naturally to me, even though I was uh, a developer towards uh, kind of the the end of the the beginning of my career. Those were the parts that I loved. So I had a, you know, I had a company that uh, essentially did uh, web application development. And I'd go out and I'd market it and go out on site and sell it. And I'd have this like crushing reality that I was going to have to go build all the stuff I just sold. (laughs) <laughs> and so I said, you know what, I'm going to start focusing on the, on the first part of this because the, the second part of it isn't bringing me a lot of joy. And that's when I started to really look at sales and, and marketing more in my career. So I, I started off at Kaseya in sales. Uh, I was here for 10 years uh, okay. initially. Uh, we, uh, we actually got bought by private equity uh, at the end of that. And I left to kind of go start my own thing again mm. and uh, got acquired again so <laughs> I think I'm the only one that's been acquired twice here and uh, ended up right back at Kaseya. And and, uh, and through that kind of process, I launched uh, Unitrans MSP uh, for Kaseya, which was uh, a tremendous amount of fun. I ended up running the, the Unitrends business here. And through that, I, I started to get back involved uh, very heavily on the product marketing side and, and the marketing side and, and the sales side. And so that drove a lot of that for me and, and eventually uh, landed uh, me where I am now, uh, as, as the chief marketing officer. So it's a, it's definitely not the normal route I, I would think, but I don't know that anybody has a truly normal route. No, no, there's definitely no, no normal route, especially for
0: CMOs in particular. I think it's uh, a unique, a unique job in and of itself in particular, but, um, and if I had known that they had acquired your company, maybe you're the fish being speared in that analogy. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, but um, well, that's awesome. I mean, it's a it's a really cool background. And I mean, I, entrepreneur. I'm also an entrepreneur. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I mean, you take the trash out, and you're trying <laughs> to get that that loan to bridge you to the next next receivable coming in. All Absolutely. all of the things in between. Um, well, tell us a little bit about like what what does Kaseya do, and like who do you guys serve? Just help us understand that a little bit.
1: Yeah, is we're the market leader in IT and and security management software, and we really focus in on uh, solutions for multifunction IT professionals. So, what what does that look like? Well, it really looks like uh, either managed service providers that service the really the S in the SMB market that don't have internal IT, mm. or you know that mid-market enterprise space, which is uh, going to be a little bit of market from that. That's going to have internal IT, but that doesn't want to you know outsource that, or or maybe only does co-managed in the parts that they want to manage themselves. They might look to uh, to us for solutions.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you're serving the service providers that are serving the SMB market, and maybe yeah. targeting more the small side of the SMB market.
1: Yeah, and and the reason we call out the multifunction IT professional in particular is because. The the S and the SMB and and mm-hmm. the managed service providers and and the mid market enterprise guys they're not like Citibank they don't have right, hundreds right. of people doing network monitoring or thousands of people doing just network monitoring they have five people ten people doing everything they may yeah. have some specialization but it's pretty rare.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. As, and uh, critical if if you are one of those multifunction IT pros and you've got to like switch between uh, fixing something and monitoring what's going on on the systems here.
1: A hundred, a hundred percent. And it's a, it's an underfocused market. Ooh. When when people build software companies, they really tend to uh, for this type of software for for IT uh, and security management, they, they typically focus on the enterprise side. Right, and that's where a lot of this stuff kind of. The genesis for a lot of these products is, and so there's been over the years kind of not a lot of companies that have focused uh, really on this particular market, and certainly not on this particular market in the breadth that that we cover it. And so for us, it's been really a great place to be and, and a great market to serve because it's we think it's wildly underserved, uh, and and it's you know why we put so much focus and attention on it. Awesome. Well, so you're the CMO. What does the role of the CMO look like? It could say we just talked about there's
0: no no traditional background, if you will, no one background. So I'm curious what the role looks like.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know how it compares to kind of the normal whatever the norm would be or whatever some of the norms let's say might be for for the CMO role. But for me, my responsibilities are are pretty broad. It's it's you know everything from demand gen to having the product marketing team, customer marketing. But I also have the strategic accounts team globally. Uh, we have the specialist team, which is our, our overlay team, which helps our account managers work through selling new products uh, into, uh, into existing customers and also new customer acquisition globally. So I have kind of both sides uh, of it, You know, either the demand gen side and the NCA side and the customer marketing and the strategic teams and, and the specialists that service that, that market. And so as a result, you know, it kind of, kind of balances out, kind of makes, makes sure that it's, uh, that I'm, that I'm keeping myself honest as it were.
0: Yeah. There's no sales team throwing it over the wall or vice <laughs> versa. <laughs> you, no. you, you are the bridge physically and, and, uh, literally, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's,
1: and it's been, I, I love it because I get that direct feedback. I mm-hmm. see what's working. I see what's not working. And I can't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, marketing can't win without sales and, you know, vice versa and everything else. But I truly can't win without the other. So I'm, you know, my success here is is predicated on that. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. I I think it's something that I I don't know if I'd want it any other way, simply because I think it gives us the ability as a team to, to really be honest with each other and and to, to work through these issues without anybody being able to win if the other one loses.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, how does um, as we talk about marketing the role and your uh, span? How do you guys go to market? Like, how do you actually sell into the market today?
1: Yeah, so a, cu- a couple different ways. We we sell directly to managed service providers, who then go mm-hmm. and, and sell and you know sell a service. Typically, almost always that they deliver using our solutions. And if we're selling into mid market enterprises, which are going to be slightly uh, above the market that is uh, serviced. By managed service providers, then you know we also do a new customer acquisition uh, motion there as well. So we drive a lot of digital demand gen, and it's all inbound. Uh, we don't we do very little, if any, outbound. But that part of the motion is is kind of the you know that that gets us logos, and and it's certainly a, a very important part of our, our go to market strategy. But nothing for us is more important than the existing customer base and our ability to really kind of bring a, a platform to them. So we, we have a platform that we call IT Complete. And that platform is, is kind of what I was alluding to before. It's a, it's a platform that's designed for multifunction IT professionals. And mm-hmm. what it does is it brings pretty much everything that that multifunction IT professional needs to do into a platform that is fully integrated. So simple example, I'm going to go remote control machine as a machine you know, as, as an IT guy. And Mm -hmm. when I go to remote control that machine, I have a password manager that I'm using. Well, my remote control system automatically ties in with it and it's automatically going to log me into that machine without me having to go and copy and paste the password and Mm -hmm. the username into it. And then all the documentation in my IT documentation solution is going to be available to me as an overlay while I'm on that asset. And then if I want to do like a backup recovery, I can do it right from that screen as well. So all of these things are integrated in a way that makes it so that these multifunction IT professionals that typically are living across you know, 17 different products, they don't have to have 17 different products open and switch between every single one of them. We bring that functionality to them in the form of these workflow integrations that we have across the platform. So as a result of that, and because we have such a broad portfolio in there across you know, IT Complete, our existing customer base is a place where we can do a, a tremendous amount of marketing. Right. and we do a tremendous amount of business there because we are a multi-product company. So mm. it is, you know, it is a, a I think different from from what most companies, certainly any company I've ever worked with has done, but it's been awesome and it's res, you know, it resonates in a huge way uh with our target audience.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, it, just the time savings alone is dramatic when you're talking about. I mean, I've been on those the receiving end of remoting in and then you're waiting for somebody to do something because they're you know, behind the scenes, they're <laughs> doing like three or four different systems and steps and screens. And that sounds like a, an amazing offering, not only for, for the people that are doing the work, but for the recipient on the other end that's getting the machine fixed or getting a system back up and running.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely something that I think, you know, the, the technical integrations are great. The commercial integration of it. Imagine that you have to go change your credit card as a service provider and you have to contact mm-hmm. 17 different vendors right. to do it. <laughs> Like what a pain, right? So having one place to go and do all of these things commercially, add new licenses, talk to an account manager, no matter what your problem is, have one place for support. All these things have really resonated in that marketplace for us. So, you know, we, while we don't go to market from a digital demand gen with that message, because we figure if somebody's in the market for a particular solution, our solution needs to stand on its own. And we don't want to try and create additional pain that they have to go and think about before they make a, a decision. But once they're into, you know, inside our ecosystem, it makes a lot of sense for them to adopt everything we have. Mm, love it. And cool. Well, so
0: I, we talked a a little bit about like how you guys go to market direct sales, your inbound program as well, as you kind of move to the mid-market level where where that's not, it's a different market for you guys. I mean, we got connected in part because of the stadium rights deal that you Mm -hmm. did in Miami (laughs) with the Gasea Center, which is Probably been burned on the 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 the, yeah, the mind of anyone watching the the NBA playoffs. And, oh, we and, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so so how do how do you go? I mean, how did that come about? Let's just start from the beginning.
1: Like where where did that even come from? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a funny story because it, it was really myself and uh, and Luis Quintas who uh, who runs a, a significant portion of our, our go to market here uh, at Caseya. We're, we're both, uh, crypto nerds and, you know, we were talking to each other about it and, and actually, uh, talking to each other on, on my drive into work earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And he was taking me through the story of FTX and, you know, everything that transpired there and how that whole thing went down. And every day, like uh, more of the mystery would unfold. And so <laughs> every morning we were having these conversations as I was driving in and, you know, all of a sudden it just dawned on me. I'm like man this is they're gonna they're gonna disappear like this is this is bad like there's no recovering right. from this. I was like, I wonder what they're gonna do about this you know <laughs> about the, 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 stadium. Uh, <laughs> the stadium. like how what are they gonna do with with the naming rights right. I was like, well, we have to get it like we have to do this so I went into the uh into the office and I went and i uh and I spoke to uh, a few different people about it uh here and I think for us it, it's not something that we had ever really considered before mm. and I don't think if it wasn't this situation that we would have considered it at any point in time, maybe right, because we're not focused on enterprise, yeah. um, and we're not a local business that could benefit from the brand recognition locally right mm-hmm. if, if we right. sell more into Miami, hey, that's great, that's awesome, but but that's not like that's a, a a small segment of our overall marketplace, and so the reason you know there were a couple of reasons that that drove it for us, I think, I think initially the big reason is. In Miami, we're looking at, at growing quite a bit. It's our our largest center of excellence in the world. And you know, we we are hiring over three thousand people uh, here in Miami and we already have you know a thousand odd here today. Yeah. So it's for us, it's a huge draw to be on the on the arena. Right. Because instantly, you know, we saw a huge uptick in the number of People that were reaching out to kind of get jobs here. You know, our, right. our applications went through the roof. The quality of the applicants went up. I had people coming to me that I've been friends with forever, who had known <laughs> that I worked here forever, and they were like, "Man, I want to come work with you guys." And I was like, "Really? You want to come work here?" Because we had a great relationship and you knew everything about. Now we got the you know the <laughs> naming rights, and all of a sudden we were a real company overnight. And I think that's the big thing, right? People mm-hmm. want to work for a company that they've heard of, or that their family's heard of, or that their friends have heard of, like, there's a certain kind of pride in that. Yeah, And I think for us, we were, we were probably one of the biggest tech companies, if not the biggest tech company in Miami already. But because we're B2B, if you're not in the space that we're in, nobody really knew who we were. Right, And so I think that was, you know, that was the big thing. It, it just became, it made us real kind of overnight. And that, that has been, you know, incredible. And and like I said, I think for, you know, for us, we, we have hard metrics on it. We had like a, I think it was 64% more applicants for every job that we had coming in after. And and it wasn't just in Miami. It was actually globally. I talked to people in Australia that had mentioned it, especially during the finals. (laughs) Right. I know that, you know, we've had people in in different countries that have come to us because basketball is a pretty international sport. So it's definitely something that, you know, again, from that, that side has, has driven, exactly what we wanted which is great but there's so much more that you know that we want to do with it over
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Time. No, that's amazing. I mean, it and the fact that I mean, it's kind of magical timing, right? <laughs> like, you, you needed to grow your operations there locally. You needed to, to probably, like, boost your legitimacy and, and, you know, like, presence in the local market to do that effectively. And then here comes a, a failing crypto company. <laughs> what are the I mean, chances? Yeah, I know. Kudos. I mean, just kudos for jumping on it. You know, like, I, I would imagine a, m- a number of people that I talked to would say, in your same situation, would be like, ah, it's going to be too hard. You know, like, you guys went for it. I love that. I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're super fortunate that we have an awesome team. And I say this with all the humility in the world, because I had so little to do with making it happen, <laughs> which was amazing. Um, and I, I mean that literally, I mean, the, the team, I, I can take absolutely no credit for the hard work that was required. Mm-hmm. All I had was, you know, it'd be really cool. <laughs> and then the team, you know, took it from there. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was incredible to to see what they were able to uh, to get done and how fast they were able to, execute on it. I know the the city and the different groups, the county, mm-hmm. you know, they were really surprised at the speed at which we were able to to get things done. Um, but you're absolutely right. If it happens a year before, we probably don't do it. Right. I mean, if it happens in a city a few miles further away, mm-hmm. we don't do it. I mean there's so many things that came together. The timing was just, you know, it was just serendipitous for us.
0: I love the results that you guys have seen already. What how do you what are you thinking about like how to Take it forward and yeah. what comes next after this initial splash, if you will.
1: Yeah, I think for us, you know, the big thing is we want to do a couple different things with it that I think are, are really, one's very tactical and one's very strategic for us. The tactical one is is really simple. If we are the ones utilizing the arena and, and the access that we get through the deal, then that's not ideal. We want our <laughs> clients to utilize it. We've already got clients using it, which is great. If we have a, a service provider that's trying to wow a client, or they're trying to acquire another service provider, or one of our mid-market enterprise customers that is coming to us and saying, hey, you know, we've got a, an acquisition or whatever, and we'd really love to bring somebody to a game or kind of take advantage of the facilities to do an event, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a big portion of what we're doing. And we do a lot of what we call executive briefings here in Miami. Mm-hmm. And if people come here for the executive briefing, you know, if we have an opportunity to take them to a game, especially if, you know, if. Dallas is here playing and we can bring a partner from Dallas right to the you know to our offices here do an EBC do an, a, an executive briefing and and really build that relationship with the customer and then have them go to the event afterwards and, and see their team play in a you know in an experience that maybe they they wouldn't be able to get access to normally or wouldn't want to get you know wouldn't be willing to spend what it, what it costs to get you know floor seats or something like that right it, that's really a cool thing that that we have and, and we're leveraging that Again, you know, for ourselves, but also for letting our partners leverage it for themselves. So, from a really tactical perspective, that's a big a big part of it. Mm. I think the other kind of two parts of it, the, the the strategic part of it, comes in two flavors. One is, you know, we're there's a huge portion of this, like eighty three million dollars, that goes back to programs for you know against gun violence and and really giving better opportunities to uh, to the community. And for us, Miami is you know it's our home and it's our largest center of excellence, and we have a lot of people who move here. We have right. a lot of people that we hire that are from here. And the healthier our community is, the easier that is. It's mm-hmm. tough to get somebody to move to a community if that community's got a ton of violence or a ton of uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, from a you know, from a purely kind of selfish perspective, we want to do what we can to help help the community. But it's also to give back. I and mean, this community has done so much for us. We've built such mm-hmm. an awesome. Of center of excellence here, we've gotten so much talent from from the local city that for us, you know, if we could do things that really kind of drive that forward, that's great. That's a you know, it's a that's a huge upside for us. Love that. The final thing, and this is going to be trickiest, I think, but <laughs> also probably the most important, is for us to get real business value out of it uh, long term. We really want to make sure that that we are able to kind of drive awareness to the MSP community overall. Mm. And for us to do that, we've got a program that we call Powered by Kaseya. You got to think about it like Intel inside. So mm. back in the day when, when you know, people were looking at computers, the concept of what a good you know, processor for the computer was people didn't have that, maybe that level of, the, the general consumer didn't have that level of knowledge. Right. And Intel, I think, did a, a freaking amazing job of making it so that you might not know any of the reasons why but you wanted an Intel processor. Right. right. And they did that through that Intel Inside program. And for us, we would love to get powered by Kaseya to be similar to that, but for our service providers, much like Intel Inside drove mm-hmm. adoption for the PC manufacturers that yeah. partnered with them, we want to be able to give our partners the ability to leverage the Kaseya brand recognition in what they're doing. And so that's a, that's a huge initiative for us and one that I think is going to, it's going to take, I think, a little bit of, of time for that to, to kind of build out. Although we're starting to see uh, more and more of it. And, and again, the, the extra exposure we got from the finals run, I think certainly helped there. But we're really working through what that program will look like over the next five years. And we're already getting clients that are reaching out to us saying, hey, I want to utilize the Powered by Kaseya branding already because we want to kind of tie ourselves to that and, and make sure that we're able to leverage that brand recognition in the services that we're, you know, utilizing the solutions to deliver.
0: I really like the approach. I mean, it, it's, there's, we talk about in the B2B space in particular, I mean, you guys are serving other businesses first and foremost, and obviously then they serve the, their businesses, <laughs> their clients right, right from, from there. But like, I always thought like the, the notion of making sure that you're tied tightly to who you're serving and understanding the value that you deliver. There's no better way than tying your names together (laughs) to say we are joint, our joint value proposition is better together. Absolutely. That's pretty powerful and has to build some pretty meaningful relationships from that point forward. So it's amazing. Kudos. I mean, that's, I hope it's really successful. I know you're just
1: getting started, but
0: like, it it sounds like a great idea, a great, great strategy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly one that we're excited about and it's, you know, it's one that we're going to have to, uh, to make sure that we stick the landing on and yeah, and that's, that's what we're focused on. Well, if you can stick the landing
0: on, on a stadium rights deal, as something is unraveling (laughs) at the same time, this one might be a little easier. It might take longer but I think I think it's in sight. <laughs> so, so. I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. <laughs> um, that's pretty awesome. Well, um, it's good to get to know you and and like what you're doing at Kaseya and, and what the company's up to. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. We know you like fishing. And when I say fishing, now my definition has completely broadened. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite questions to ask everyone that comes on is, uh, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I had to, I think there's probably a few different things that come to mind. I'm sure everybody has like a few kind of things mm-hmm. that are defining for them. You know, I think for me, I, I've got kind of a weird backstory because, you know, I, I moved, I moved out of, uh, away from home early in, in my, in my life. And I was working, going to school, uh, going to university at night. And eventually through that process, about three years into, uh, into university, I decided to drop out and start my own business. Mm. And I think that when I look back at it, I was a terrible student, like terrible. (laughs) And uh, I was went to five high schools and we never moved. So that gives you an idea. (laughs) And so I think, you know, that background and that, that kind of backstory made it so that I always felt like I had to succeed. I didn't have an option. Essentially the way I looked at it is nobody's going to hire me. So I got to make this thing work. And, you know, that was, uh, I think, a, a huge motivator for me uh, throughout the early part of my career. And I think it, it drove me to take well, a lot more kind of risks and, and chances in my career than, than maybe uh, some people would.
0: No, I love that. And I mean, but if you look back on it, I mean, you've accomplished a ton. I mean, and I, I can only imagine that like having seen that success, knowing your background, like you can do anything at that point. Right. Like pretty much you could do anything I would imagine.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, I think your risk tolerance is different at yeah. that point because you're kind of yeah. like, well, <laughs> it's uh, it's already better than I thought it would be. So, Hey, why not go for it? You know? and And I think that's something that has, has really helped me kind of, try and go do things that are maybe not as safe and, and i mean that in the sense of not just my career but also the things that i do in my career i'm willing to take chances i'm willing to you know come in and be like hey we should go get stadium rights you know right. <laughs> like why not like what's yeah. the worst thing that can happen kind of kind of a mentality and so I, I i think that's something but it also puts a chip on your shoulder right like you yeah. kind of want to make sure that you don't that you're always trying to strive for excellence because you don't you don't ever want somebody you know, certainly earlier in my career it's certainly less of a of an of a thing for me in the last 10 years, but certainly when I was in my early to mid twenties, hmm. I, you know, I, I was, I didn't want to be outed as, as, uh, you know, the guy who couldn't, couldn't cut it, couldn't hack it. So I was always, you know, very motivated to, uh, to excel.
0: Love it. Well, uh, if you were starting this journey all over again, what, what advice would you give your younger
1: self? <laughs> maybe be less of a pain in the, in the rear <laughs> end of my parents and maybe not, not, <laughs> uh, take, uh, take, high school, certainly uh, as, as, uh, unseriously as I did. No, I, I think from a, from a business perspective, one of the things that, that I've discovered throughout my career, or, or certainly later kind of in, in a more recent time in my career is the difference between the things that we think we want versus the things that we actually want and, and our willingness to commit to them and, and do things for them. And I think that if I look back at my earlier life, I think a lot of people think that they want something but they don't they don't actually want it. They don't want it badly enough to make the sacrifices required to uh to make it happen. Mm. And and I think that that's an important lesson. Like don't don't kid yourself. Figure out what you want and then put everything into it because well, you may say you want to be in great shape, but if you're not in the gym every day, not not that I'm in great shape, but <laughs> I think I want to be in great shape, but I clearly don't because if not I would be in the gym every morning, you know. So it's right. it's one of those things where I think you know, you gotta, you gotta decide in life, the things that you're, that you're serious about and, and put, put all of your attention and effort into them.
0: Yeah. It's the, it, the I le, I really like that notion. I mean, I mean, what we think about, we always think about what we want, but we don't think about the work that you have to do to get it. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Well, is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about, or maybe something you're Learning more about yourself these days.
1: Yeah, I think, and I hate saying this because it's so cliche <laughs> and it's so bad. And then it is just like I, I, I'll, I'll give a little context to it. But I think AI <laughs> is is, in, right. is really incredible where it's coming to. I think it's something that is finally real and is gonna is mm. gonna change things. Mm. And I think that what we've seen already inside our marketing group in particular with the use of, of AI and the things that we've utilized it for have really helped us gain a competitive edge. We, we are significantly faster mm-hmm. uh, and more, I think, accurate in the stuff we're creating as a result of our adoption of AI. And it was a challenge that we posed to the group earlier this year. And I think they've done an, an incredible job of, of rising to the challenge and using it for a lot of different things that are, that are tangible. So, um, you know, I think when it comes to certain types of content creation and things like that, there's, there's a tremendous amount of value if you use it correctly. I think if it's used improperly, it's a joke and it doesn't work. And we've done a lot of work around kind of honing our skills. And I I think it's just like programming or anything else. You have to really understand how to utilize the technology, Mm -hmm. but as we've gotten better and better with it, it's become more and more relevant in our in our day-to-day stuff so it's' we're, we've been absolutely blown away by what it's helped us do and, and kind of the scale it's given us for that particular uh, department and we have other other groups of the company using it as well but that's that's not my, not my you know not my area so I haven't been directly uh, right. involved in those but certainly in the stuff that we've been able to do from a digital demand gen and from a, a product marketing side it's been been really eye-opening
0: yeah no I mean the use cases for it just keep expanding it feels like even the little bit that I've dabbled in it and um the craziest thing I recently I have a colleague I work with and he's uh he's Dutch and so his family still lives there, and he was trying to help them figure out how to move <laughs> <laughs> and he had created like I don't know how many chat GPT prompts to like find the closest and highest rated movers that are willing to go from point A to point B and then On and on and on and on. Basically, I was like, you just emulated yourself and the work that you would normally have to do using chat GPT. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, because it's easy. I was like, okay. It's like going from Google search, you know, just typing in what you want to using all the Boolean, you know, language and parameters and all
1: that stuff. Um, You can really... I I think that's going to be incredibly disruptive. I mean, I think you hit that. Like that's one of the things that I I look at is what's going to happen to search? Right, I, yeah. like, I, I have a ton of ton of people that I know, and, and I'll include myself in this. Although the fact that it's limited on on the time frame currently is right. you know, how how current the data is. But I'd rather Chat GPT something, for instance, than Google it. Yeah, why? Because I can iterate and I can tweak it, and I can get thoughts. You know, I can get like an actual. I don't just get a list. I get the actual time spent behind it. Is it perfect? No, but it's right. getting there. It's definitely you know, it's definitely moving in that direction. And and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what that does to search overall and how Mm. marketing groups like our digital demand group and and our product marketing team, how they're going to adjust for that. We're already working through that and saying, okay, well, if, if a large percentage of people are going to start using something like chat GPT or chat GPT itself to do these searches, how do we make sure we show up? How do we make sure that we show up in a way that, that we want to? Um, How do we ensure that we, you know, are dominant in that new technology, the way that I think we're dominant in, in the, in the current PPC world, you know, for us, that's going to be a critical step.
0: A little bit, a lot to figure out. Next question. I have two questions for you left. Um, Are there any trends or subcultures that you follow or you think other people should take notice of?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the big one that's coming now on the trend side is, you know, I think we're seeing an economic shift. Right, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're certainly as an economy already seeing some of those headwinds. We're fortunately a little bit isolated from it because the nature of our business and the nature of software and automation and IT uh, mm-hmm. and kind of the the value that it provides and really the fact that it's you know helping companies be more cost effective, right? Kind of lends itself to to that to, to either you know a boom or or a bust. But I think that depending on what your company does, I think. Depending on certainly our companies, the, the companies that we service, the, you know, we, whether it's in, somebody in the mid market sub- segment or or one of our service providers, like they need to be aware that the economy, you know, is going to to change, and they need to be adjusting for it. There's a trend that they need to be following and need to be, you know, adapting to. But the same thing happened with with COVID, right? Yeah. Some companies didn't adjust, and a lot of those suffered. Some companies adjusted their Positioning, messaging, and everything else to match what the new paradigm of what their end users cared about was, and and they they did well. I love
0: it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you've got to definitely be nimble, and I I do envy software providers <laughs> <laughs> in times like this because uh, especially ones like you're you know you're focused on efficiency and, and reducing cost to begin with. Uh, you guys. I think it was um, not to name another software company, but I think it was Red Hat that I followed for a long, a long long time uh, through their boom and felt like every reverse, they were like booming in every reverse cycle mm-hmm. as people switched to Linux or Linux related services on their, on their systems. So it was, yeah. it was phenomenal. Uh, absolutely. Well, um, last question for you. What do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today?
1: I mean, I think what we just talked about is probably a big part of it. I think, you know, the the shifting landscape of AI is one side of it. And and whether, you know, people get that right as that becomes potentially the new, even if it's inside Google or inside, Mm -hmm. you know, Bing or inside whatever, it it doesn't matter. You're going to have to learn a new way to market that works inside that paradigm. But I think in the nearer term over the next period of time here, it's, it's, there's an opportunity or a threat depending on how people handle this, this shift in the way the economy is going. Right. Um, I think that companies, for our companies, because we help them be more efficient and because we help them lower their labor costs, which is you know their, their, their highest cost bar none and we actually help them because of the the platform that we have we help them drive the hard costs of their software down as well because we don't have to make as you know much margin as we possibly can on one solution because we we know that our comp- you know our customers once they mm-hmm. come in they end up adopting a bunch of stuff so we're able to lower their hard costs for for the, the services that they deliver and at the same time through the integrations and everything else lower their labor costs mm-hmm. and so you know for us we look at that as a competitive advantage for us, a huge opportunity in a market like this, but we think it's a huge opportunity for, for the customers we service as well mm-hmm. um, to look at that. I think if you're looking at your business over the next six months to two, three years, I think positioning yourself really well, you know, really well for what your end customers are going to care about in that regard can, can put you in a great place to just get a tremendous amount of market share and, and really excel through it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an enlightening and fun conversation. hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) No, it was fun. And I definitely appreciate the invite and the opportunity. Awesome.
0: Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.